Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back to the next edition of the Unity Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Cathy. You know how it is sometimes where you hadn't talked to someone in a really long time? I mean, I'm talking like 15 years, you haven't talked to that person. And then as soon as you get on the phone with them or you're texting with them or you see them out in public, it's like you just start talking and it's like that high school friend that you just reconnected with and it could go on and you picked up right where you left off. Well, that's what it's like with my next guest because I hadn't talked to him in a long time. And yesterday, as a lot of you guys know, uh, the day before or the Tuesday before we run this podcast, we always run it on a Thursday. Um, I do a prep call with them and we chit chat about, you know, hey, what do we want to talk about? How are you doing? This is kind of the logistics and the flow. And as soon as I got on the phone with this uh, next guest here, we launched into over an hour conversation of catching up, how's business going, how's family going, and it was like two long lost high school friends reconnecting. So I really appreciate that, and I think you're gonna really get a lot out of this podcast. Our guest, as we jump right into this, is R.D. Patel. R.D., welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So RD is the CFO. I guess it's been what? We're three months going on four right now? Uh, yeah, at the end of March. So at the yeah. end of March. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Of a company called New Leaf Service Contracts. And the reason why I started out the way I did is because back in 2008, RD was in public accounting. He was working for a, a major regional firm and I recruited him out. I placed him in his first job outside of public accounting and i've seen his career grow up into this now cfo position in fact unity placed him at the company that he's at right now so it's been awesome to see your career growth why don't you share with us and you know, tell us a little bit about what's the commercial with newly service contracts what do you guys do well we're one of the few uh, independent uh, tpas left in the market so we're so a tpa is a third party insurance administrator so we partner with different retailers around the continental u.s to sell our service plans um, so we have you know, several uh, retailers here within the Dallas Metroplex area, Ferguson being one of them. So if you go into a Ferguson store and you buy a new uh, kitchen appliance set, you know, whenever you go to the register and they want you to, to uh, buy a five-year service plan, mm -hmm. you're essentially buying our product. You know, you're essentially buying our service because we don't have any actual widgets that we're actually giving out. And so whenever the unit breaks, you would give us a phone call. We then dispatch a technician and handle that, you know, handle that customer journey all the way through, through and through. So you know, we you know each policy is uh, basically unwritten by an A-rated insurance carrier, so you're always protected. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know, our job is to really provide the, the most best exceptional customer service that you know that anyone else has ever seen out there. Yeah, yeah. So you must have a large call center operations, a lot of technicians on hand that you're able to move quickly. Uh, call center, yes. Technicians, no, because uh, all of our technicians they're all they're all 1099. Ah, okay. So, so we so we partner with the big guys like Whirlpool and GE and those guys, yep. and so we we have a direct connection into them. So whenever we need to get a service service um, scheduled out there, we can go directly into the portal and say, you know, uh, RD's appliance TV repair, which is authorized by Whirlpool, will be at your house between nine and eleven on Wednesday. Okay. Okay. 
Makes total sense. Yeah. And how long have you been at New Leaf Service Contracts? Uh, this October will be eight years. Eight years. Congratulations. Yeah, man. thanks. It's been a good ride for you. It's been great. Yeah. It's been great. You know, we started when I when it started out with this company, we had 12 people taking phone calls. And that was from the creation of the claim, or, or, sorry, creation of the call to uh, paying out the claim. It was, it was, that was it. And we went from that and we're up to, you know, over, over, you know, o over a hundred call takers. Really? And now we had to open up an additional call center down south in Mexico City to kind of help uh, with the volumes that we've kind of experienced. Wow. With the near future. Yeah. It's wow. great. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations on all the success, not only with New Leaf, but your own personal career. Yeah, thanks. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And, and as you and I were chatting yesterday, we didn't even set anything up. I mean, we just launched right into one of the topics and you're yeah. like, you know what, let's talk about that tomorrow because that's important. And, and that was work ethic. Um, you felt that you wanted to kind of dive into the topic of work ethic because that's been an integral part of your career and yeah. making it quickly to the level that you're at right now. I think to level set though with our audience, we want to describe what is what does work ethic mean to you? What is your definition? Well, my definition is obviously not working 100 hours a week, right? That's just that's just something that you know I, I just don't I just don't believe in. I believe in just showing up every single day, giving giving it your best, and just always willing to collaborate with you know with your team members and making sure you know that you're always uh, achieving the same goal. Because at the end of the day, you know each each person plays a very a very critical role mm -hmm. in 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 the piece of the puzzle in, in order for making in in any in in within any organization work. Yeah. And so, you know, I just like to just just to show up with a great attitude and just seeing how I can how I can conquer the day. Yeah. So, it's interesting you started out with it's not working 100 hours a week. So, if we go back to the time that I actually set this up with where we recruited you out of public accounting, you were working a lot of hours then. Yeah. And you made it a point to say that just now. So life isn't, work ethic for you is not about, well, work ethic is anything above 40 hours a week. So I'll, I'll tell you, I work more hours now than I ever have throughout my entire career. So, but, but then again, it's, it, it's different now versus what it was before. Because mm -hmm. again, you know, it's, it, it, I, I no longer see it as work. I, no, you know, I just now see it as, hey, I'm just, I'm out here taking care of customers. I'm out here taking care of my retail partners. And, uh, and uh, most importantly, I'm out here making sure that my team members have all the adequate tools that they need in, in order to set them up for success. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm basically like an on-call doctor all day, every day. But again, you know, again, I just don't see it as work. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, it, it's, you know, there was some times where, you know, they, I was working crazy hours a week, uh, every single day and every single week. But again, you know, as I said, this too shall pass and, and it did. Yeah. It's like you found, once you found what your calling is, it doesn't feel like work anymore. So yeah. you're putting in more hours, but it just doesn't feel like that exhaustive grind that you were putting in way back when you yeah. were in public accounting. Yeah. Right. Um, you mentioned collaboration. Work ethic to you, part of that definition is based on collaboration. What do you what do you mean by work ethic is is collaborating with your peers? So in any organization, you also you mean you, you have to be able to work together as a team in anything that you do, whether it's you know getting getting AP checks cut to getting reconciliations done to onboarding a new client for you know for New Leaf, and so you have to collaborate within within departments and in in order for you to be successful at your job, 
you, you have to make sure that they're successful at theirs. I've always, I've always viewed myself as secondary to anyone else I'm working with, even if it's just, you know, just my senior accountant on my team. You know, my job is to make sure that they, you know, that I'm basically serving them to making sure that I'm collaborating with them, partnering with them to give them whatever that they need in order for them to be successful. Whether it's helping them, you know, set up a GL code in the, you know, in the accounting system or you know, help setting up dealer codes or just, you know, helping taking time, you know, different, different files of reconciliations. You know, you know, I'm ready to get my hands dirty to, you know, to make sure that uh, I wouldn't ask them to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that recently because sometimes I feel like, um, I was going to ask you this question, you know, do you feel like you're working for the people that actually work for you? And your answer was, yeah, I absolutely feel like I'm working for the people that work for me. Um, you're there to serve them. And I think a lot about that because sometimes I'm looking at myself and I'm like, am I doing enough for them? Am I doing too much for them? Like, where is the line where I'm doing too much or I'm doing too little to let them know that I care about them and, and I really want to serve them? And in that line, I feel like the, the goalpost is always moving. Am I doing too much and not letting them expand uh, within their own career field without me around them? Or am I doing too little some days? And I don't know if, I don't know if anybody ever gets that right. You know, I don't think so either. I mean, for me, you know, what I'll do is, like today was first of the month, and so I'll send out a little first of the month meme out to my team and just kind of crack a smile, um, you know, you know, for the, you know, for the work day. Because I mean, obviously, we we all know that we all have our personal st stuff going on outside of work, and so I just want to be able to make sure that everyone is just, you know, feel valued in in, in the organization. So, just check. Checking in, just checking in with them periodically, making sure that you know that they have everything that they need, um, and then you know just being able to read the individual, just being able to know the individual where you know that something is not right today, mm -hmm. right? Something is a little off today. So then I'll, I'll I'll make a point to walk over to my team members and and say, hey, you know, we we're on a call just just now, and I, I could sense that something is not right. Are you okay? Or do you or, is it, or if you if you if there's something that you want to talk about, again, remember that my door is always open. And just just always creating that you know that warm atmosphere for you know for any for anyone to say you know what I need to go talk to RD. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really good. Another thing that I want to point out that you uh, just spoke of a few minutes earlier was on the collaboration topic was making sure that if you're there with the team and y'all are working on a project, both of y'all are available. And we had an interesting discussion today in the office where we had a contractor who wanted to work, couldn't sleep was having trouble, insomnia, and they decided that they wanted to work from 2 a.m. to, you know, whatever, 6 a.m. and get those four hours of work in. Mm -hmm. And then maybe fell asleep and come back some other point in time during the day and finish up to get the other four hours in to work an eight-hour day. And it was a little challenging to get them to understand, you know, hey, if the manager that you're working for is okay with that, um, that's fine. Understand though, a lot of managers aren't going to be okay with that because it is going to be really hard for you to collaborate with the rest of the team that are working normal hours mm -hmm. and getting them to understand that concept seemed to be more challenging than what it should have been. But it just speaks to the world of work that we live in right now. We've gone from five days in the office right 40 hours a week and you're in the office to 100 percent remote to some type of hybrid 
some type of different schedule, which you just implemented, and it sounds like it's working out. And now people are moving that towards, well, I want to wake up at one o'clock in the morning and work until six o'clock in the morning. And there's a, it's hard to get them to understand that maybe in some jobs that's doable, but in a highly collaborative environment where you have a tight culture, that becomes a real challenge. It does. It does. Um, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you. There, there was the, there was point in, there was points in my career where I was just like that. I was working. You know, I'd wake up at 3 a.m. and start working, and and would stay stay up all day and night just just getting things done. But however, I, I was in a position where I was spending my time at the office, again serving others, training tra- training new staff members that I had on my team. So I made myself 100% readily available. And so I think that, that was a good. Yeah, I think that was a big game changer for me personally because I, I was able to view as you know, I went into the mindset as I can I can devote eight to ten hours to train these employees, and that's going to save me thousand hours of, of, of work on the back end. So at, at this small time, I'm going to be working double double shift. And I remember, you know, producing financials on Thanksgiving Eve and Christmas Eve. Right? It wasn't it wasn't the best of mm-hmm. times, but. It's one of those things, you know. You kind of look back and says, you know, was it was it really worth it? And every single time, the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah. One of the things that that makes me think of that you just kind of alluded to is when you are a new manager, and it, I feel like there's always this struggle of, you know, what I'll just do it because I know I can get it done. It's going to be right, and I'm going to be able to do it faster than it is for me to train someone else to do it because now I got to train someone else to do it. And that's going to take time away from what I want to do. And they're not going to do it as accurate as I am because they're going to be learning and they're going to make mistakes. And then I have to review their work. And it's yep. just it's just a mess. So I'm just going to do it. Yep. And that suffocates the person below them from growing their career and being uh, engaged in new challenges. And I feel like every leader runs into that at some point in their career as they as they begin to lead teams. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because um, I remember when I was putting together my first board presentation, right? it took me two weeks <laughs> to put together two two little small slides. And now, in, and now I consider myself a seasoned board board member or board presentation put together or whatever, yeah. right? And now that I, now now transition that off to my controller, and I can see him struggling. I can see him fighting through this stuff the exact same ways that I did it. And it's one of those things. It's like this too shall pass, right? He's gonna you know, he's gonna get it, and it's just gonna be perfect, you know, on 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 the first whim going forward. But you're right. You have to give the you have to give that flexibility and that ability for someone to learn in order for them to grow. Mm-hmm. Because again, you know, as as I, you know, the way that I saw my future as 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 I continued to grow grow up the ladder, I needed support down below in order for me to do whatever else that, you know that I needed to do. So I made sure that I strategically planned my staff in a way where as I was as I was being uh, groomed and uh, transitioned to the next role, mm-hmm. everything that I was doing has already been transitioned down into my staff, and so they knew exactly how I needed to do it just in case if you know I wasn't you know. Yeah, available to do it that you know that day. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the things that you just pointed out, it's um, there's value in the struggle. You know, if I wouldn't have struggled at doing some things in my career, I wouldn't have developed perseverance and and all of these other like this strong mindset and all those uh, mindset and work ethic type values. But at the same time, the joy of succeeding wouldn't have been as high 
had I not gone through the pain of the struggle. And you were just talking about you were a controller, you know, struggling to put together a board package and how you're releasing that to them. Not that you want them to completely fail. You're not there to have no, them completely exactly. fail. No, so you're going to step in, but there's value in, in them going through that struggle because on that other side, they become better at their job. They have a stronger mindset, a stronger will, but they also get to enjoy that success. It's even sweeter on the other side of the struggle. Absolutely. It's just like riding a bike or, you know, seeing my kids walk for the first time, right? You, you, there's, I couldn't even count how many times that they kind of got up and kind of fell, got up and fell. And once they started walking, they, they, obviously they never stopped. And so I was teaching, and then fast forward, you know, I was teaching my son how to ride a bike, and, and it was the exact same thing. It was, it was such a struggle, and, and you can see the defeat on his face. And then, you know, we just, we just kind of kept at it. I think we did it for 30, 45 minutes a day for two weeks straight. And, you know, towards the end of it, he was, man, he was, he was flying down the street, no problems. And yeah. you, you can just see just, just a joy on his face. And it was just, it was just a precious moment. And I, you know, I see that same joy and that same satisfaction with my team as they have, you know, accomplished, you know, a very difficult and a hard task. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful for the team that I have because they're very, they're very collaborative amongst themselves. And so they'll, they'll kind of bounce ideas off of each other just to say, hey, this doesn't make any sense. What do you think of this? Or how do you think this should read and so forth and so on? And so, you know, I'm very thankful for that because again, it just, it, it just goes, it just goes to show you that, you know, that you have a really good team, a really good culture, and, um, you know, everyone is looking for the end result, which is, which is to win together as a team. Isn't it funny how we can learn so much from being, having a childlike mindset? and viewing things from just observing your kids mm -hmm. or kids in the, the neighborhood. You know, what you just said rings so true where they, kids have such this perseverance, they don't even know what it is. You know, they don't know what perseverance is. They don't know what failing is. All they know is they're trying to learn to walk and they keep falling down and they're holding onto furniture and, but yet they just keep going and going and going. And sometimes in life, somewhere along the line we lose that ability not everybody but some people lose that ability where it's like ah it's not working so i'm just going to mail it in and obviously you don't want to keep working at something that's just a total failure you know that's that's insanity as well but sometimes we just give up a little too easily and we observe kids and they don't know that they're not giving up you know what yeah. i mean they just know that well i'm gonna try again i'm gonna try again and yeah. they view it so differently than we do. It's, it's, it's like um, another good example is asking questions. So ki your kids are a lot younger than my kids. So <laughs> asking questions, when the kids are little, I mean, they, it's like, oh my gosh, can they stop asking questions? I'm gonna pull my hair out, you know? <laughs> They're asking too many, I don't yeah. know these answers. Yeah. You know, I don't even know what you're asking, quit asking, just do what I tell you to do. Like it gets frustrating. But then as we move along into adulthood and throughout education, it's like kids begin to ask questions less because they don't want to be the person in the classroom that's raising their hand to ask a question because it's embarrassing and people are like, oh, there's no stupid questions, but yet you feel like it's a stupid question, so you don't. And then you get into a job, your career, and you start struggling and you're not asking for help. It's like we've beaten it out of kids. Like, I don't know what happens to the fact that somewhere along lines, a lot of times we lose the the empowerment to just ask questions and gain knowledge, the curiosity and wonderment, because 
of fear. That's, I mean, that's exactly right. Because, I mean, you know, my son, you, going into second grade, I can see him in school where he'll, he'll hesitate asking a question because he feels that, you know, the, the other kids around him are going to laugh at him or whatever that it is. And even though, I mean, it's, it, it's a legitimate question in his mind. He's, I, mean, he's, I mean, he's a very curious kid, right? And, you know, we have to just kind of just, just get past that. So, we, you know, we kind of show him along the way that, you know, it, it's okay, you know, if, if someone's going to laugh at you because, again, I, mean, I, I can almost guarantee that they're probably thinking the exact same thing. And they just don't want to ask the question. Well, I've got to admit, I'm going to raise my hand now. Like, I still do it today, and I don't know why I do it, you know. And, and when I'm in the active, uh, so here's an example. Uh, me and my four, my three business partners will be at a lunch or a breakfast, and we're sitting down talking. And whatever the stream of consciousness we're talking about, I'm like, man, what does that even mean? I don't know about that. I wonder about that. And I have all these questions going in my head. And I'll ask maybe one of them. And pending the feedback on that, I'm like, all right, I'm going to shut down. I'm not going to ask these other ones. And I know I'm doing, I know I should ask them. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I shut it down. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to ask these other ones because it's not worth it. And they're going to think I'm stupid. And admittedly, admittedly, I'm like, I am definitely not the smartest one of us. I am the last one on the totem pole. I'll freely admit that. <laughs> but I still, I will hold myself back. And afterwards, I'm like, I've even told one of my business partners before. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be relentless. And I'm going to ask any question and not care. And we'll get to the next meeting. And I'll do it again. And I'm so, I get frustrated with yeah. myself. Well, so what I do is, uh, hey, I just, you know, I'll start off by saying I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask a stupid question. I'll just start just just yeah. so I'm, I'm gonna go and call just, it out. Call it out there, right? Yeah. Because I know to me it's a legitimate question. To you, it may be stupid, but I'm just gonna go and ask it anyway. Yeah. And so then you kind of go out there and just you know at that point no one's gonna laugh at you because you already said hey I'm gonna ask a stupid question. God, man, we can learn so much from our kids. We're supposed to be teaching them, and they're teaching <laughs> us. You know. True. True. <laughs> And you know, all you know, I have to say this one thing: all the stuff that I've kind of learned from, you know, being able to be a better parent. It, 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 if it wasn't for my wife, man, I'd, I'd be lost. Yeah, I couldn't read stuff in a textbook to save my life. I'm sure that the baby books I've I've never even finished a baby book to be honest with you, right? Yeah. And so it's you know it's it's her constant teachings and learnings. That's the you know, that's kind of helped me out, kind of be. Uh, a better parent today. I so. am right there with you. My, I hope my wife doesn't hear this at all because I'm admitting it and she's going to be like, yeah, what he said, <laughs> say it louder for the people in the back. Um, yeah. I mean, she did the whole, you know, what to expect when you're expecting yeah. and all that other stuff. And, you know, hey, you should read this. Of course, we were in college. Hey, you should read this. And I'm like, okay, you know, and then I just take it and I set it on the nightstand. I never yeah. touch it once. Like yep. she has to teach me everything, yep. you know, that when the kids were young. Thank goodness my t kids turned out okay. And sounds like yours are well on their way to turning out really well based on your wife. Yeah. And you. And me. Yeah, come on, <laughs> let's get some credit. Okay, a couple of other things that you had mentioned. Um, ownership in terms of work ethic. Yeah. Work ethic means ownership. What do you mean by that? So again, just taking full full uh, responsibility of the work that you're doing, just uh, embrace it. And I mean, even though that it sucks sometimes, you you basically just say, okay, well, I'm gonna whatever what whatever I'm gonna do on this one project, I'm gonna give it my hundred percent. You know, it's just like playing sports. It's just just like doing anything else that you would normally do. Uh, that's fun. You always gonna give it you know, give it your best, because in my mind, if you give it your best, and if you and if you still mess up 
you're more you're more reluctant to learn from it quicker versus versus just you know kind of just going through the motions, right? You know, you know, we can always tell if 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 anyone in, in the staff is kind of just going through the motions or actually have their you know kind of have their heart into it. So, you know, just just taking full ownership of it, and then you know, obviously, you know, it, it makes victory that much sweeter in the end. Whenever that you do finally finish that project and mm -hmm. everything, you know, and everything works out exactly the way that how you wanted it to work out. Okay, so I like the ownership, okay? So our, our, we have five core values at Unity. Family, respect, transparency, own the results, and compete every day. The two that I like just love the most, we all have our favorites, right? The two I resonate with at this stage in my life, this season of life the most, are compete every day. Shout out Jake Thompson, still got your rust band that I wear every day, compete every day, love that. The other one is own the results. Um, in fact, I probably identify with own the result, like good, bad, I don't care, just own it, you know, and learn from it, like make a mistake. Like, I remember one time I gave, uh, an individual on our team, like her Q1 goal was to make three pretty large mistakes, not detrimental to the business, but I wanted to see her push the envelope so much that she was willing to run into mistakes because otherwise we never found out what you're capable of. Like, where does that line fall? Like, have you pushed yourself enough? So my question to you is this, and to me this is a really challenging question. Um, giving 100%, you look at your staff, and maybe not your staff now, but in general, people. You look at them, it could be even kids out on a soccer field playing, playing soccer, and you can just see so much talent in a couple of the kids but they're totally not giving 100%. They think they might be giving 100%, but you know that they're not giving 100% because you've, you've, been, you've been around so much longer. You've seen so much more stuff. How do you get to the point where you I don't, approach them in a discussion about that because there's so much more value that they could see and they can gain so much more satisfaction if they push themselves to give more closer to their 100% because all of our 100% are not the same. Absolutely. How do you do that? So how do I do it is um, if there's a project that we're working on with my team specifically, I'll just lay the project out there and say, hey, we, this, this, this is a very important project that we're working on. It's going to impact these different lines of businesses and I need your help to get to the finish line. And then I'll just sit back and I'll just wait and watch. And then you'll start seeing some chatter happen, and then you'll start seeing some some of the some of the regulars kind of step up, and then you'll and then you kind of see uh, the one that's going to take charge, one that's going to help do the do the research, one that's going to help you know do the write ups, and ones that's just going to help assist along the way. So you know, in a team, it's the same thing. You're always going to have your overachievers. You're always going to have the one that's always going to want the ball. You're always going to have the one that wants to just try their best. Then you can have the ones on the end. So if you can if you can find a way to connect with the one that's kind of struggling and kind of get them into the middle, because I mean you can't have a bunch of overachievers, in, otherwise you're gonna get nothing done, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you can just find a way to just connect connect with an individual and get them to buy into why this is important, right? Make them feel valued, make them feel connected, make them feel that you know that you know that they're gonna be contributing to the part of success. 
and then 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 you then you sit back and watch and and, and I can almost guarantee you that you're going to be able to see um, that individual start thinking more start, you know, start applying themselves more start making more mistakes and so therefore that they're actually um, learning from their stuff I mean you know if you don't if you don't ever make a mistake, you're never going to learn anything new, right? I mean, you have to make a mistake in order in order to say, "Well, that didn't work. Let's go mm-hmm. try something different," right? And so that's that that's been my approach, and in thus far, uh, it's it's worked out very successful. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really good. It's funny that you've used the word observe again. You know, so we're observing our kids and their. Uh, ability to fall down and fail but keep trying and trying and trying and we're observing our kids in terms of just kind of the questions that they ask and carrying that through for the rest of our life Mm -hmm. Um, and we're observing people on the team um, as you give them a project and who's stepping up to the plate and who's driving to completion and who's willing to take maybe some risks where they're okay with making mistakes and failing and learning from that and coming back the next day full of energy, ready to go again. And I've never really, you know, we, we think more about, you know, tactical functions in a job, you know. Um, you need to say this, you need to do this, this entry does this, you know, this uh, board package is due at this time, so you need to start it. And yet, one of the things we've talked about a lot here, if you really apply it, isn't very tactical. It's just sitting back and observing mm-hmm. and being strategic in how you use that to guide someone's career. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, I use that with my kids as well. Going back to the kids' example, I can tell them to go clean their room or, or clean up our game room, or I can ask them, you know, once we've done this, and, and then we can go do something. So they actually look, they have something else to look forward to. Right, and so you can kind of see that with with um, you know within adults as well, because then again, I mean, you know, you, you know that you're going to get some sort of uh, satisfaction, gratification out of it once it's all said and done. Yeah, here's so here's an interesting thought for you then um, on um, on work ethic in general and ownership. Um, you had said, you know, just applying their work consistently and, and trying to see who takes who takes the lead on a project. And, and once they do, you identify, you observe that person. And once they do, you know, you approach them afterwards and you have a discussion about it. And you're able to tell them, man, this person wants more for their career. They're willing to own the results. They're willing to push themselves. So, and my question to you began with... Um, you know, how do you identify the person on your team that can give more, right? They think that they're giving 100%. They're not, right? They're not giving 100%. You know that. How do you identify that? So my question now is is materialized because we have this conversation all the time with leaders. So back in the day, people who are a little bit older in their career you know, I mean, uh, some of the stuff that we had to do was just like knuckle dragging, barbaric work. You know, it's yeah. like seriously, like I cannot believe, uh, you know, we're in the stone age here of the work that we were doing, and it was like massively hard. Through the evolution of time, things have it, hard has just changed. Hard looks different, mm-hmm. right? And it's because of technology, and it's because society has changed a lot. So hard is still there. Hard just looks different now. And so we have a tendency to sit back. People who are a little bit older have a tendency to sit back and go, oh my gosh, man, 
Like if you could just know what we used to have to do, like you can do so much more now because you have all this technology and all this other stuff. You just have to have a willingness to do it, a drive to go do it. Other managers at this point in time sit back and they go, hey, look, this is actually good. Like I don't want my staff to work 100 hours a week. Mm -hmm. I want them to take advantage of certain things. Um, how have you seen this materialize throughout the evolution of your career? Because you quickly ascended from, you know, a senior revenue accountant to a controller to a director of finance to a CFO. And so you've had a lot of people work for you that are different degrees of ownership and work ethic. Some are, it's tough, like they're willing to run through a brick wall and others aren't willing to run through a brick wall because they've just found a quick, easy path around the brick wall, right? How do you work with those people? How have you seen the evolution of ownership and work ethic and working hard? Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, um, and a very hard question to answer, to be honest with you. Because, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, you have seen, I have seen a bunch of people uh, kind of come through the organization, even within my department as well as other departments. And you kind of just have to just, Honestly, you kind of have to just sit back and just wait and watch. I mean, that's kind of what I've done. And, you know, an, a, another thing is if there's a project that are going on, sometimes I'll force, forcefully assign it to an individual, say, hey, I mm -hmm. want you to lead this project. And so I kind of give them out, get them out of their comfort zone um, and just to kind of see what they would do. Uh, and again, I mean, some people are just not, they're just not cut out. So then you have to just have a conversation with them and say, you know what, I don't think that you're really applying yourself here. I, I don't think that you really like it here. But let me do this. Let me help you find something that you really like to do. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I mean, again, we all say the same saying that, you know, life is too short. Let's go out and, you know, make the make the best of it every single day. And, you know, if, if I'm working 10, 12 hours a day, you know, within the company, I want to be able to, to enjoy, you know, that I'm here. So if, if, if I don't like it, I want to be able to find, you know, find something else for the individual to do. And I'm, you know, more than happy to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. It's tough, right? It's tough trying to find where's that balance. You don't want to push people away. You know, we don't want to do that. We don't want to make it super easy because it's, we want to make it, actually, we do want to make it super easy. We just need people to follow the path of you apply yourself down this easier path in life because that's being a good steward of the organization that we work for. Yep. And so it's really tricky to strike that balance. The last thing that we need to get to here is reliability. So one of the things you talked about with work ethic was reliability. What does that mean to you? Uh, I, again, I go back to showing up every single day, ready to go. Um, you know, being able to answer a phone call whenever that the phone rings. Uh, being able to just give it, give it your best, at, you know, at literally at every single thing that you do. I think it kind of ties back into what I said earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The team needs to to have a cohesive team. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to rely on each team member showing up, giving their best every single day. Right. I think that's really good. So one of the things I've noticed is you seem to be the type of person that. Um, has a willingness to hit head on with your employees in the organization. Like we need to have this discussion. Now you approach it empathetically. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you, you seem like you approach those discussions empathetically, but you're not just gonna sweep it under the rug and hope that it gets better. Am I, is that fairly accurate? That's fairly accurate, yeah. Okay. 
why does that work so well with you? Because I know a lot of leaders are like, ah, you know what, it's not worth it. We're not going to talk about it. I, I happen to be the kind of person that, you know, I'm going to approach it like I'm going to have a conversation about it because I just think that's better. Uh, it's in the open. I don't want to six months from now, you know, go, God, man, I wish I would have said something because now we're so far down this road. You know, how do I circle back on this? Well, so again, I, I go back to being a cohesive, cohesive unit, right? I mean, again, I go back to, you, you know, you told me your core values. New Leaf's core values are uh, integrity, service, community, right? If it if it doesn't check those boxes, then we gotta have a sit down, have a you know, have a really difficult conversation. Uh, I'd much rather just hit it, you know, hit it head on, so I can help you adjust and and um, you know, you know, better you know, better your career within the organization, versus just letting it fester because then it's just gonna eat you alive, right? You know, just like you know, you know, again, I, you know, I. I don't want to like lose sleep over something where where I can just bite the bullet and address it, mm-hmm. and just and just get it out there and just get it out in the open because then then I know that you know I'm either going to go two directions I'm either going to you know help them fix it or I'm going to you know I'm going to go help them find something else to do. RD, but you still lose sleep on it. At least I do. <laughs> like I still like oh you know what we need to talk about this tomorrow. This is like we need to address this. I need to address this in an empathetic way. Oh, I and lose, I still are like I'm I like I can't sleep. sleep. <laughs> I still lose sleep over, and I'll and I'll take my notes, and I'll wake up at the two two or three in the morning, jot it on my phone, and then I'll go back to sleep, wake up some more, and jot some more notes. On my uh, phone. But yeah, in, until it's until it's done, yeah, I mean it's it is it is nerve wracking. But once yeah, but once it's done, then you know, okay, well, well that was that wasn't so bad. It's usually never as bad as what we've built it oh, up yeah. into our head. I still think about it because then later on something will like hit me and go, man, should I have done that or not? And I'm still like, I, it's like, no, David, it's okay to, you're not waffling, right. you know, cause I'm like, am I waffling on this? And I'm like, and my self-talk is, no, you're not waffling. You're just evaluating how you did. Was it right? How they're going to respond? Yeah. How is it? congruent with the direction of our team like there's so many things i feel like sometimes if people could crack my head open and see all the gears that are turning at one point in time they would be like dude you need to relax a little because <laughs> you want it to be right yeah exactly. you know yeah that at the end of the day you want people to be happy you want it to be right and you, and you're constantly trying to figure out how to fit that mold for your people yep you know that's really cool okay so when someone is doing a good job when they're doing really well for the organization. We talked about someone just a few minutes ago that, you know, hey, look, they might need to look for something else. But what about the other side of the coin? What do you do for the people that are doing a good job? You know, give them give them praise. Give them praise in front of the entire organization. Give them praise in front of my team. You know, just say, you know, I wanna, you know, thank this team member for doing a, you know, fantastic job of, you know, turning around the board presentation or turning around, you know, this project and it was and it was just exceptionally just just perfect. Um, you know, we also have this thing where we, we, we give out kudos to the entire, uh, you know, we read kudos to the entire uh, organization uh, a couple of times a month. And so then we'll recognize the employees. Then. Okay. So, so what is, so how do you do that? Like, w- take us through the steps. How do you read it out to the entire company? Is it an email that goes out? Is it a conference call? Like, what does that even look like? Yeah. So it's a, so in our, in our main call center floor, you'll have all of the executives kind of line up against the wall. You have all the call takers on on the floor, and then you have the folks that work from home as well as near shore, on on, on video conferencing, and then you know if if there's a kudos that need to be uh, you know that needs to be read out, 
you know, our executive assistant kind of blows it up really big for us so we can read it on paper. Mm-hmm. And then we just basically just read it out to the staff and say, you know, such and such did a fantastic job and here's why. And again, it could just be, you know, you know, um, a call center agent was, you know, you, you know they, that, that they de-escalated a customer that was, that was you know, um, very upset that their dishwasher wasn't working today mm-hmm. as, you know, all the way up to, you know, like I said, you know, you know I, I, I getting the board presentation done within, you know, you know, you know, within a matter of hours. And the feedback on this has been from your employees. Phenomenal, because again, really? I mean, you, 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 you see like, you, know, you can physically see the round of applause, you know, you know, you know, that everyone's getting for their kudos. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's just a really good feeling to have. Awesome. Awesome. I like that. All right. So as we begin to close here, okay, I want you to give me what are your top two things? I mean, we talked a lot about work ethic. We talked about reliability, ownership, collaboration, a bunch of dimes that you've dropped within this conversation. But two things that people, our listeners, can walk away from and practically implement tomorrow. Two things to say. Uh, I would say... uh, don't be afraid to make a mistake, right? And then obviously try not to make the same mistake twice. Mm. That's really good. Yeah, I like that. Here's my one thing as we wrap up our session today. You know, we talked to RD uh, about um, work ethic, and he defined work ethic by three terms. He defined it by reliability, ownership, and collaboration. But here's the thing that I walked away with today is uh, observation, you know, um, being more observant of my team, um, thinking about, we talked about observing kids falling down and having a willingness just to get up without thinking of it and going again and just this relentless spirit that they have. And we talked about observing uh, kids just observing them and how many questions that they have. It's just bombarding you with questions and really trying to get the team to open up and create a safe environment where they can ask any questions without fear of being laughed at or anything like that. And then the other thing is just observing the people when you give them a project, who is putting in the extra work, not extra hours, but who is the one that's gonna take charge And so I'm walking away from this conversation with a new light of observing the people that work at Unity Search. So RD, thank you so much for the time today. It was a pleasure having you on. Hopefully you had a good time. It was great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Awesome. Love it. And to our listeners, hopefully you've taken away something from this conversation. I know for me, as you just heard, it's observing and that's something that I'm going to report back and get better at. And hopefully you have something that you can report back on to get better at as well. Until next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.